Father, you give us your word so that we might know you, so that we might understand you, and that we might gain a heart of wisdom. And we ask for you, by your spirit, to speak through your word into our lives now in this time, transforming and molding our hearts and our minds to be brought into alignment with you. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. It's on page 287, I'm told, in the Pew Bibles, if you want to follow along there. I'm going to be reading chapter 8 from Deuteronomy. Um, my records show me that I have preached this passage to you before. I've talked about it before, but it's really a rich one. It's big, and uh, if you uh, remember that, we'll, we'll just add another layer to it. And if you don't, I didn't need to tell you probably. All right, so this is from Deuteronomy chapter 8. This is, let me just say, this is Moses uh, speaking to the people of Israel just before they cross over into the promised land. So he says, be careful to follow every command I have given you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of water, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you today. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. And you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He, will, he led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble you and to test you, that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourselves, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, 
which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. And this is God's word. So as I've reminded you in the past few weeks, we've been looking at how we interact with our past, how we deal with, um, with our past, and all the different aspects of that. We've talked a lot about relationships and dealing with the consequences of past relationships and that sort of thing. But I wanted to finish with this passage. This is the last time we're going to talk about that idea of thinking about the past, at least that's the end of the series anyway. And I want us to think about uh, how we interact with our past in terms of how it produces wisdom to us into the future and in the present. We live our lives in the context of what our, our past. We, we live with the ability to, to recognize our connection with what's gone before us, um, to really consciously reflect on that. Not all creatures are able to do that. Um, animals have a certain interaction with the past, otherwise you couldn't train your dog to do the right thing if you didn't have some kind of, uh, there wasn't some carryover from the past into the present. But our, our dogs don't, they don't reflect on that and think about what's good and wise given what they have learned from the past. They just make associations, you know, so that they, that's, that's how memory works for your pet dog if you have a dog or your cat. Less with the cat, my, I find, but um, or maybe it's just the cat doesn't really care what you think. I don't know. But the, the, they, remember, they, ha they remember in the sense that they associate things. So that they, you come to the point where they associate you calling them with something good. Which is why if you want to teach your dog to come to you, if he's out doing something bad and you yell at him to get over here and then you punish him, what you've done is taught him not to come to you when you call him because a bad thing happens, right? So you want to teach him that when... Something, they do the right thing, something good happens, and that's an associating. But they don't get wisdom in any sense. They don't have a sense to really reflect on the meaning of the past, but we do. We can do that. We can live our lives re reflecting on the meaning and the consequences and, the in and what our past has been and what that means for us today, which helps us then to figure out how to live today. You noticed in this passage the repetition of, the, of terms. There's a continual rem statement to remember, right? Several times the, Moses says, remember. Or, or he says the, opposite, the, the, con, the, the other side of that coin, don't forget. It, it's a sense of living with a reflective, conscious awareness of what our past has been, which has brought us to where we are today. And that, that's wisdom. That's the root of wisdom. There's a, the, the, uh, the most, the, the, there's a repeated sort of definition of, of uh, wisdom that you see in, in the Psalms and a couple of times in Proverbs. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Right? And that's a phrase you've heard. It's come Psalm 111, Proverbs 1, Proverbs um, 10, I think, 9 or 10. Um, wisdom comes from an, a, a reflection on our relationship with God. 
the fear of the Lord, that, that right relatedness to God is the, is the found, it's the foundation on which wisdom comes. And we do that, we, we, um, um, we enter into that relationship with God because we, we don't do it in just in the abstract, but we do it in the context of living our lives interacting with God. And, and the call then is to remember what that means, to develop a sense of fear of the Lord, a sense of reverential, proper relatedness to God happens as we, we watch that work out over the, the years of our lives. Now Moses walks them through their history here and he reminds them of, of how God has worked in their lives. And he, he re repeats also something about God's purpose for them, that he wants them to remember who God is when they look at what God has done in their lives. He, he points to the blessings that God has put into their lives and, and the fact that God wants their lives to be good. Now, I know that sometimes we can think about this, if we're, not, if we're, not, we're reading this, the, the Old Testament in particular, kind of superficially, we can think that God doesn't care whether our lives are good or bad, like whether they're blessed or not. He just wants us to knuckle under and do what he tells us. And that's not the picture. I mean, it, we can get that if superficially reading this passage. But if you look carefully, what, what his concern is that he wants your life to be good. And he says, this is how you do it. I've made you in a certain way. I've designed you for life with me. You were designed to have a heart like mine. You're, you're made after my image. And so if you want to live well, follow this pattern I'm giving you. It's not just because I want the pleasure of forcing you to do whatever I want you to do, to jump through whatever arbitrary hoop I have for you. No, it's not that at all. He says, this is who you are. And if you want to live well, if you want your life to be good, you need to live it this way. Because if you live it differently, you're going to live contrary to who you are. And that will not be good for you. It will work out badly. You'll be living contrary to what you're meant to be. If I drive my car in reverse only all the time at highway speeds, I'm thinking my car's not going to last too long. I don't think that's probably good for my car. I'm not a real car guy, but I'm, I'm just thinking, even what I know about cars, I'm thinking, that's not good. That's not good, right? But I didn't, that wouldn't be good, yeah. I know. All right. It's not designed to work that way. And if I make it work that way, if I try to make it work that way, it's not going to work out. It's not good. So this call to, to obey God is a call to do that. It's the, he's saying, I have made you a certain way. Come to know who you are by knowing me, by being in, in relationship with me all the time. You, you will begin to know who you are. And so live according to the way you have been designed as I've made you. That's what I'm telling you. That's why I'm telling you all these things. That's why I'm giving you these commands so that you will live the way I've made you to live, designed you for. And then there is this call to, you will see it, he says, if you remember your lives and remember where the blessings have come into your life, you will see that will show you that obedience to me is good for you. And when you don't follow my commands, it's bad for you. So watch that. Learn that. And learn my, my heart for you, which is to bless you. 
to bring good into your life. I'm trying to bring you to this good place. Why? Because I want you to be in a good place. And we want to understand that that's who God is and that's what he wants for our lives. And we need to pay attention to those things in the past. And so Moses walks them through that. Now, they have come through a terrible place. The Sinai Peninsula is a, is a very grim place to live. I mean, I've never been there, but I have read reports. It is a very harsh environment. The, uh, the climate is very harsh. There's very little water. Um, it's not a big sandy desert. It's rocks and hard places, and it's a very difficult place to live. And he has made them spend a lot of time there and they have still grown and prospered and, and become an important people. Now, as they have lived through that, they have choices to make. And we all have choices to make. They could look at all the harshness of the environment and say, God just forced us to live in a terrible place. He must hate us. Right? And, and we can do that. We can look at our circumstances and see all the hard things that are in it. Because we do, as I regularly remind you, because I'm a Calvinist, that I point out that we are fallen and we live in a fallen world and the thorns and briars of the fall are all around us and when we live in it, we experience that. And if we see only the thorns and we don't see the redeeming hand of God leading us through them, we will be a grim, dark people. Just the way Calvinists are supposedly... Are. Well, some of them really are. Or we can see the hand of God leading us through that. Moses is saying, look at what God has done. Look at how he has provided you in a way that he never provided for anyone ever before. Points to the manna. Look at how he brought water to you in a place where there is no water. And here you are. He has walked you through this and he has trained you up to make you the people that you're meant to be. Do you see that? Do you look at that and see that? What do you see? What do you choose to look at and recognize? There's a story I tell and, uh, from time to time about a, a one day in my ministry, and it, this would have been about 25 years ago. Uh, I, was doing, I was visiting in nursing homes. And I went to visit with um, a woman in, in a nursing home, and she was all very upset and very dis depressed and, and unhappy. And, and as we talked, she, she at one point made the, she pointed at her walker and said, I can't go anywhere without that thing. I am trapped. I can't go anywhere without it. So we prayed, and she was still very dis discouraged when I left. and went and visited another woman. I mean, I can't make this up. It's really the truth. And we were talking, she was very upbeat, and she said how she was doing, and she pointed at her walker and said, I can go anywhere I want with that thing. <laughs> The circumstances were not different. The meaning of the circumstances was. Now, admittedly, having to depend on a walker is not something any of us wants. But we, have to, we can look at the meaning of it and decide what it means. We can look at our past and decide what it means. And we can decide whether we see the hand of God or whether we're going to close our eyes to the hand of God and simply see the thorns and briars. The promise is that God loves us and wants good for our lives. And if you believe the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that that cross 
is an act of God to save you from eternal damnation, then you know God's intentions for your life. And you know that in all circumstances, the hand of God is walking you through it. And if you are watching for it, you'll see it. So what Moses is pointing them to is pointing them to develop that habit of heart that is always attentive to the hand of God moving in their lives. And, and, and not only that habit of seeing it, but remembering it. I have to write it down. I'd encourage you to do that. You don't have to be a journal, you know, you know write poetic journal, the journals that people are going to read for centuries. They can just be bullet, bullet points with a word or two and a date. Wow, oh, that's right, I remember that. It's simple, but we need to be reminded. The old Puritans talked about keeping a diary of the providences of God, meaning they would just note down God's blessing at a particular day to help them to see it because they were now looking for it. I'm going to write in my journal, what can I see to write down? And you begin to, when you're looking for it, you begin to see it more and recognize it. And you develop a habit of heart that recognizes God's hand, even in the trials and struggles, because he points out these are not without, this was a hard time for them, but the hand of God was walking them through it. And he tells them to be careful now when you go forward, there's a kind of a, it's hard to find the right grammatical term, but it's like remembering in the future. So he says, now I want you to remember what God, ha I, God has been doing for you. Now in the future, you're going to go in and you're going to get this. These are the blessings that are coming. You don't have them yet. You don't, he describes the land, the pomegranates and the fig trees and the olive oil and the wheat and the barley. They don't have any of that yet. They're still on the plains of Moab on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They're going to go across. And he says, that's going to happen. And when you get it, remember it. So that when you've started to receive these things in the future, look back on this blessing that is about to come. So that it becomes a habit of your heart. That you have a habit of always looking for the blessings of God in your life. As you develop that habit, you develop a heart of wisdom to recognize God's provision in the past with the assurance of his continued blessing in the future because you know his intentions for you. Now you have to look carefully for it. But as we live with that habit of heart saying, this is who God is, this is what he has done, this is who he is, we live with a, a measure of wisdom about where we are going to live, where we are going to take the course of our lives. We're going to listen and follow. And we develop this habit of heart. But there's a warning in it. And, and this is an especially important warning for um, people who live in a country that's fairly prosperous and secure. We will sometimes think that the real dangers are in times of hardship, but Moses here seems to think that the real danger to your heart is when you're prospering. You see, that's the real dangerous time for you. You need to recognize that when things are going well, you are in great danger. Because you will begin to forget God. You'll begin to think, I'm really something. Look how I've made my life work out well. I got all this stuff for me. And Moses says, you need to remember that you didn't get anything for you. The only way to get stuff 
You, you have the ability to get stuff is because God's given it to you. The ability to get it. Not only the stuff itself, but the ability to get it. All that we are is a pro product of God's working in our lives. So even in the times of, uh, so especially in the times of prosperity, we have to be on our guard. We'll stop writing down the providences of God and just start remembering the clevernesses of me. This is a, Billy Graham has a statement. He says, the mountaintops have great views, but all the fruit trees, all the fruit is in the valleys. The fruit trees are not growing on the peaks of the mountains. They're down in the valleys. And we live there, and we want to watch for that. We want to watch for that all the time. But it all is based on an awareness of who God is, that he, is, he intends good for us. And as, as we read this, that was the theme that was over and over again. You obey, not so that you don't get punished, but because in obedience is where the blessings are found. And frequently the obediences are most challenging in those times that are hard. But as we live that out, the promise is, this is who God is, and the blessings are to be found there. As we develop that habit of, of obedience, which is the heart of wisdom, we find that we are in the land of God's blessing. That we are in the place where we are meant to be. When we are living in obedience, we are living as, our, as we are designed to live. And it's in that place we find the blessings of God. So as you look back over your lives, as you remember what God has done, watch for those things. Watch for how you interpret the meaning of those things. Look at how God uses even those trials to draw blessing. That's the, the, the message of the cross. And I'll leave you with this. The message of the cross is that God takes the most evil things and redeems them for good. Now, it doesn't make the evil things good. The cross, a Roman cross, is never, it's not a good thing. It is evil. It is, an, it, is an act, it is an instrument of the most remarkable inhumanity and brutality. And it is always and never anything but that. But God takes that and saves you. He redeems it. He takes an evil thing and turns it to good. So even the thorns and thistles, God takes and turns them to bring blessing. But we won't see it if we're not watching for it. So we develop this habit of heart that is always watching for how God is taking the broken and healing it into something better. It doesn't make the bad thing good, but it brings, makes the result of it a blessing. Developing a habit of heart to watch for that will carry us through those times. So I encourage you to do it. Let's pray. Our God, we, we ask you to, to make us, give us eyes to see. Eyes that can see and recognize the meaning of what you're doing in our lives. That knows your heart and knows your intention to do us good. And so looks always for the acts of your hands that are bringing good into our lives. Carry us, Lord, into that place of wisdom, 
that place of peace, that place of confidence and assurance that we can only have through you. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.